have any double talk on this one. Oh, yeah. Well, this is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for What in the World with Paul Siebert and his sidekick, John Donalo. Now, before we start the show, I just want to say up front that we know a lot of crazy things are happening in this world right now. And somebody said to me, you know, you're not going to do what in the world today, are you? And I said, yes, we are. And the reason being that despite all the craziness in the world, we still need to laugh. So you are up to the challenge, Mr. Seaburn. Make us laugh. Oh, 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 the pressure is on, the pressure. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely right. You know, this is, no matter what is happening, you still need to laugh. You still need to have some humor in your life. And hopefully, um, you, that's one of the reasons why you come to visit us every week at What in the World, everybody's favorite weird news show. Our motto is real news, sometimes strange, always funny. Uh, we're the news you don't hear on CNN and and. and and ESPN, you know, if you're looking for sports or the business channel or any of that stuff, we don't talk about any of that. We, so you're not going to get into that here. You're going to hear about the weird, the unusual stuff from around the country, around the world, maybe even around the universe. Wow. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? <laughs> We surprise ourselves sometimes. <laughs> there you go. We do. We do. <laughs> it's okay. So for those of you listening to the podcast on uh, whatever platform you are uh, listening to us on uh, or watching us on YouTube, I am Paul Sieber and the host of uh, What in the World. I am also the editor and head writer at MysteriousUniverse.org. Uh, that uh, The first voice you heard in your ear was none other than Karen Hale the media mogul at newclevelandradio.net. She is also our producer and our co-host. You'll see her piping in every now and then with so with words of wisdom, or words of, of disbelief. Those are the, basically her, her specialties. Also in your ear is uh, my old buddy, John Danalo, uh, another co-host, color commentator. The, um, uh, he's also the host of our segment, What in the World of Sports? So hi, John, how are you? Oh, I'm doing well, Paul and Karen, and uh, we're going to have a great show today, I know. John is wearing a Philadelphia Phillies hat, for those of you who are not watching on YouTube. And, you know, we should ask, why aren't you watching on YouTube? The um, uh, but More and more podcasts are moving to YouTube. I want to mention that. I, I was just reading something before the uh, we went on the air, uh, which is, I think is good. It's a, it's a good way to share things. We... We, I occasionally have photographs that go with some of the stories. So, you know, if you miss out, I try to describe them as best as I can. I'm not going to describe John other than to say he has a Phillies hat on today. And that's because <laughs> the Phillies are in the playoffs. The Phillies are one of his, uh, one of the teams he supports. You know, we, we live in the Northeast Ohio area. So, so we try to support all of the Cleveland teams, the Guardians, the Browns, the uh, Cavaliers, uh, some of the minor teams. Uh, we also, uh, some of us support the Buckeyes. Some of us support a team in Michigan. Uh, that's fine. You know, we don't care. We also adopted uh, the Dallas Wings and uh, uh, in the WNBA because Cleveland does not have a WNBA team. And I also, I want to give them one last shout out for the season. What a great season they had. They didn't make it to the playoffs, but the two teams that are in, in the finals are, are outstanding women's basketball teams. And if you've never watched women's professional basketball, by all means, catch some of those games and then um, join us next year. Hopefully we'll still be around and definitely the wings will be around. And, and, um, and we will be around. We will be around. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Kim. So, so let's uh, get all, we got all that uh, promotional stuff out of the way. Let's uh, find out what we're talking about today on what in the world. Uh, let's see. Ooh, grasshoppers hooked on marijuana in Colorado. Oh, this is an interesting story here, especially since we have, not that I'm not going to talk about it, but we have an election coming up to legalize marijuana in Ohio. So it's very pertinent for those of you in Ohio. Um, <laughs> an unusual use for breast milk in Idaho. Now we try to, we, we will keep it clean. Um, there's nothing, nothing 
dirty about it. I, I'll put quote air quotes around the dirty and you'll find out why. Uh, let's see, uh, world record pumpkin, Halloween's coming up. The, the world record uh, largest pumpkin has been set uh, from, by a farmer in Minnesota. So we'll take a look at that. Uh, world record for the largest house of cards. Um, we'll, find, we'll, we'll find out where uh, that's in India. We'll find out about that. If you want a million dollars, don't play the lottery. Instead, get yourself a ring camera for your doorbell. The ring people are giving away a million dollars for anyone who records a space alien. So we're going to get some more information on that. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, again, we're in the heart of uh, Amish country in Ohio. Bad news for Amish guys this week. This is an interesting twist of events that happened to some Amish people. Um, worst news for some airline passengers, great story that I shared on Facebook this week. Plus more odd news, uh, some more world records. John's got a great unusual sport, weird sport for us for, for uh, his segment. Uh, and then we play everybody's favorite weird news game, Bluff the Call. So let's uh, get right to it with... Um, what are we going to do? Oh, a little bit of, uh, I've got some musical stories. I don't have any music to accompany it. And I'm certainly not going to sing because those of you who heard me sing will thank me for that. Uh, yes, <laughs> you're welcome, Paul. <laughs> John has heard me sing. I know John has heard me sing. I, 50 years ago, I'm not any better today, okay? <laughs> hey, I'm right with you on that, Paul. <laughs> don't feel bad. <laughs> Although, although John and I are fraternity brothers, we had dinner with another one of our fraternity brothers a few, uh, about a month or so ago, and we were singing fraternity songs. So, yes, uh, we were. Yes, we were. Thank so, God. Only hear it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so Les, if you're listening, I think Les is on his way to Florida by now. So you're listening. Hi. Uh, hey. Okay. So new Les. study. We, we, we love new study. This one's uh, found that concert goers listening to the same music at a concert, enter a state of induction synchronicity, induction synchronicity, which means their heart rates start to beat together. They sweat at the same points of the music and the same amounts. Their breathing speeds up and they all start breathing at the same time and they start moving, you know, you've seen that where the crowds are moving. Well, scientists have proved that this is a result of all of them being there in the room and listening to the music. Uh, and it's, uh, it's called induction, induction synchronicity. Um, so, you know, if you're, a, if you're working at a job, um, get ready for your employer to take advantage of this. I heard of a company, they're starting to play Wipeout every morning you know, with the drums you know, bum, 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 as fast as they possibly can. So people start breathing and jumping around and boy, they go out and they just do, do their jobs like, like nobody's business. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, businesses always take advantage of that. Now, you know, there's one guy in the music business who's saying, I told you so about um, heartbeats beating at the same time. Huey Lewis. Remember what was his big song about uh, uh, heartbeats? Heart of rock and roll. Heart of Rock and Roll is still beating. That's right, John. Um, did you know, uh, a little bit of trivia here. Let's see if my trivia horn works. Okay. A um, little bit of trivia about that song and Huey Lewis. I did not know this, um, but I, I was doing some research for the show. Huey Lewis got his inspiration to write that song right here in Cleveland, Ohio. Huey is from San Francisco. And you know, up until then, he said San Francisco is the heart of rock and roll, not any place else in the world. And when he came to tour here in probably the the, the 80s, uh, by early 80s, uh, uh, the, 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 the DJs and the fans were all saying, oh, no, Cleveland is the heart of rock and roll. Cleveland is the heart of rock and roll. He went to some clubs while he was here. And when, before he left, he started writing the song. And he says, that the original title of the song, I want to make sure I got it right, The Heart of Rock and Roll is in Cleveland. That was the original title for the show. Yeah, for the song. When he um, got back to San Francisco, the record company says, oh, you can't do that. You know, you don't put Cleveland in the title. Nobody will listen to it. But what a, <laughs> what a crock. So, <laughs> so he put us at the end, at the very end, he does a shout out to Cleveland and to Detroit. 
all by themselves, not in that big run with all the other cities as a salute to Cleveland. So we salute you, Huey Lewis. Uh, thank you for, for doing that, for, for giving Cleveland some recognition. That's a are you a Huey Lewis John? Yeah, well, well, I'm, I'm sorry, Paul. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Are you, are you a Huey Lewis fan? Yes, I am. Very much so. Um, Have you seen him in concert? You know, never went to see him. You know, you know, I have his CDs and all that, but never, never had a chance to go see him. Um, Karen, Karen, you were nodding your head. I think you are you a human? No, I've, I've never seen him in person, but love his music. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've never seen him either. Okay, all right. So now, uh, music, what what goes hand in hand with seventies and eighties music is smoking pot. So what, for some <laughs> of us, for some of us. So we'll move on to the, the pot smoking story here. So this is the big problem coming out of for, for marijuana growers in Colorado. Now, I thought it would be, you know, that there's cheap plates from all over the world, all over the country going into Denver, and people are smoking up all their pot before the Colorado people can get it. But that's not it. The reason why their pot is disappearing is because there's an influx of grasshoppers. There's a huge number of grasshoppers in Colorado this year because of, of climate change, and they are wiping out outdoor um, marijuana crops. There's some marijuana that grows better outdoors than indoors. Uh, the, the rest of it is hydroponic, but, but um, so, so um, uh, because, of the, because of the rain, outdoor growers are getting attacked by grasshoppers, which appropriate name for an, for a, an insect that uh, eats marijuana, grasshopper. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's appropriate, obviously. Right. It, it is until they, until they fill up their bellies or whatever, their thorax or whatever it is that they fill up with marijuana. Then they don't hop quite as much. You know, they just. <laughs> you, know. <laughs> you think they would be getting high. Uh, I had to say you know, it. I'm going to believe it, John. You know, <laughs> you know it. They're, they're, they're grass lay arounders instead of grasshoppers. <laughs> uh, so, so oh. one farmer claims he lost a thousand plants in a in 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 a three-day period a thousand plants uh, now the only time i ever heard when when a thousand plants disappeared over a weekend was during spring break back when we were in college now there you are uh-huh <laughs> yes that but, is true <laughs> who knows what happened they went up in smoke as they said. <laughs> oh. so i didn't know this a thousand plants a thousand marijuana plants is worth $500,000, half a million dollars you would wow. have to pay. So that's what they lost is a half a million dollars worth of uh, uh, marijuana. If I was that farmer, the first thing I would do is I'd go out in the field and I'd sweep up all those dead grasshoppers and I'd start selling grasshopper doobies. You know, I mean, they're full of pot. Why not? How do you get grasshoppers to stop eating marijuana, you know? How? You tell them Moses is coming. The, uh, you know, like the plague. I know I was. Oh, I wasn't, okay, got oh, it. Yeah, we, I, 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 we got that one, Paul. Okay, that's, that's not too bad. I, I explained it for my own benefit. I forgot what it was. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, fine. So, so here's the real thing that they're doing. Um, they, they don't want to use pesticides because then, you know, you'll have pesticides on the plants. So they're using chickens and turkeys. They're bringing in flocks of chickens and turkeys and they're letting them loose in the marijuana fields to eat the grasshoppers that are eating the marijuana. Now, I, you know, Thanksgiving, I'm already, I, I, I don't wanna eat a turkey that's full of marijuana. I'm already full, I'm full myself. I, I'm gonna get another appetite as soon as I'm done eating and eat <laughs> more turkey. The turkey farmers will be happy, but not, oh. not me. <laughs> so is that working? Is, is that working how they're, they're doing that? I yeah. mean, with, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, it's actually working. Now the chickens, the chickens are a different story. Um, so, so they said the chickens are getting high on the um, um, on the on the the pot filled grasshoppers. So now they're demanding that the farmers start playing the yard birds um, while they're out there. Oh. <laughs> or, or maybe, okay. They they also they, another band came out with a new album. Pink Floyd came out with an album just for the chickens called "The Cluck Side of the Moon." Okay. Uh, okay. I, all right. <laughs> all right. I know that was a, so. So believe it or not, they they actually did a study on what kind of music chickens like, and chickens prefer classical music. And one style in particular, they prefer baroque. They prefer chickens prefer baroque music or they like to call it 
Brock, Brock. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, touche, Paul. Touche. Okay, that, that's it. You, we, you, folks, you see how the show is going to be going today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they said this, this was a legitimate study, which, which they all are, all the ones that I quote. Um, and they said that the, the favorite instrument of chickens is the trumpet, because the trumpet sounds the most like chickens. They also like the oboe and the bassoon if you remove the reed. So I don't know how it makes a sound, but they said it makes a sound of clucking if you take the reed out and blow into an oboe. Uh, they don't like the violin, however. They don't like the violin because the violin's got that squeaky sound and it sounds like the squeaky doors into in the KFC restaurant. So oh, uh, yeah. It turns them off, obviously. Don't like that. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna I'm gonna put up a photo here in a second. I'm giving you a warning there. Uh, this one, this story comes from Idaho. Now, nothing dirty about this. I'm gonna tell you up front. Uh, but a, a new mom, she just gave birth in Idaho. She was freezing her breast milk as new moms the store um, for when, when they're in a hurry or, or they right. don't have enough breast milk. She got it in her freezer. Her stupid new father husband is cleaning around the freezer. He unplugs it to move it, forgets to plug it back in. So all of her breast milk spoils. So now this lady, um, her name, uh, did I write down her name? Uh, I think I wrote down her name here somewhere. Let's let's share the photo here first. Um, okay, that's our logo right there. Let's take a look and see. There she is right there. Lovely, lovely lady. She's holding some soap. What she did, instead of throwing the breast milk away, she looked up on the internet and found out that you could use spoiled breast milk to make that's soap. Hey, wait a second. I have oh. no idea where that's coming from, guys. Uh huh. Oh. Now, now, before we start, now, wait here, I just want to say. So, all right, Karen's got. We got a little bit of feedback. Oh my there. god, I have no idea where why they okay, came. Okay, that away. Make a note that that happened right about the time that photo came up there. Yeah. Maybe it's the breast milk. Maybe it's maybe. The <laughs> <laughs> so she used it to make soap, causing her infant son, who who is approaching a year old, to suddenly start talking. And the first words he said were, were he's swear words. So she'd wash his mouth out with the soap. Um, <laughs> what a story this is. I'm sorry. According to experts in breast milk. <laughs> what a job, John. We were in the wrong field. Uh, experts in breast milk say that it has a lot of skin moisturizing benefits. It also contains an acid, which has antibacterial properties and can help calm your skin. Um, basically, it's the same formula as Lifebuoy. And Lifebuoy was thinking about coming out with, with a breast milk formula called Life Boobs. But um, so this lady, <laughs> this lady is, um, hers is called uh, Mama's Magic Milk. And she sells it online. She sells it across the country. Uh, women send her breast milk, and she, which she buys and, and uses it to make. She makes it in her kitchen, and she says she has a special pan that she uses for. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, she has. That's she says. I have special gloves and a special pan that I use. Um, so they they said that it helps with diaper rash. Uh, it helps with eczema. Um, it helps heal cuts. Uh, it helps with sunburn. Uh, and if the baby hates bath, um, you take that soap and you shove it in their mouth and it's just like Johnson's, no more tears. Uh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, to make boy. it more appealing to men. And, and, and of course you would want to do that. They're, they're, the uh, uh, company has already approached her about um, um, putting it in wrappers that look like little bras. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh and, boy! And, uh, they're 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 gonna call it lava. Remember lava, John? Oh my! I do yes. remember the lava. So gonna, yes. You know why they call it lava? Because lava was the hand soap. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh, there you go. Our last breast joke for the story. There. Okay. <laughs> lava had pumice in it, if you remember. That was the that was the ingredient, right? Pumice. That's right. Pumice. Oh yeah, that's right. That was good stuff. I remember. My dad had it. I used it. Uh, I don't know if you. Yeah, can it, was, get it. It, was, it was. It was an industrial soap to really, you know, clean your hands. You know, when you got grease on it and uh, or oh, yeah. grease on it or whatever. Oh, yeah. it left your hands in worse shape, though. It was like it oh, was very like, gritty. You know, it's very gritty. Yeah, 
like a brick, like washing your hands with a brick. It was uh, it was in the form of a brick, also. If you remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Holy but... smoke! We're off the tracks here. Well, let's get right back on. Uh, get train on. Halloween is coming up, so um, we got a Halloween story here, kind of a Halloween story. It's about a pumpkin. So a uh, uh, horticulture teacher, high school horticulture teacher in Minnesota, set a new world record for the world heaviest pumpkin. I think I got a photo of it here. There it is right there. Take a look at that photo. It's massive. Mm, he, wow. he, it's up on stage. I'm going to describe it for you. Boy, it, 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 uh, it weighs 2,749 pounds. Beat the world record by a couple hundred pounds. It is, um, uh, I, I, I think it's like about 12 or 13 feet across, uh, about, about three or four feet high. So it is massive. According to the people who, the judges, Guinness people, they said you could make at least 687 pies out of it. And wow. if you carved it into a jack-o'-lantern, a giant jack-o'-lantern, it would scare over a thousand trick-or-treaters. So, <laughs> sure, massive sure. pumpkin, massive pumpkin, size of a small car. It's the size of a small car. In fact, John, I don't know if you remember, I had a car that that, that looks something like that back when we were in college. It was a very, I, you know, I got hit a couple of times, so it was dented on the side, but looked like that. It was. <laughs> I remember. I do. That was it. It looked like this giant pumpkin. We used to call it a Honda Accord. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh. oh hang on well hang on tight we got a few more okay so there's our there's our giant pumpkin i've never seen a pumpkin that big i i it, it's and and yet you know there were there were hundreds of entries they had i don't know if you can see there's a crane in the back they actually yeah. had to use cranes to, to lift them up and put them on the scale this is this is a big business i i they win a prize and money and all kind of good stuff so Okay, another record from uh, India. So this, oh, there you go. Thank you, Karen. Yep. Uh, Karen circled the crane there for us. So this record comes from India. So this is a, a guy, 15 years old. His name is uh, Arnav Daga. Uh, I don't know what city he's from, but he, he likes to stack cards, playing cards. That's his hobby. So he spent um, 14 months, I believe, to make a 40 foot long house of cards, not just one house, but four different structures of cards using 1,000, I mean, 143,000 playing cards and no tape, no glue. Those are all stacked um, uh, using nothing but gravity to hold them together. And he has that, that set a world, new world record for the world's largest playing card structure. Uh, it features four buildings from India, from his hometown. Oh, his hometown is Kolkata, India. Uh, there's four, which, which used to be Calcutta. No, I think. No, maybe not. That's in, that's in another country. Anyway, four, the, the four buildings are the Writers Building, the Shahid Minar, the Salt Lake Stadium, and St. Paul's Cathedral. Now, I, I had to look it up. St. Paul's Cathedral, cathedral the, the, is not a Catholic church. I found out because, because I went to a Catholic church as, as did John. And if you're going to build a Catholic church out of cards, you have to use bingo cards. So, <laughs> <laughs> or, or you go oh, to hell. It's unbelievable. Here's another picture of him. Here's another one in a building. So here he is stacking the cards. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. Dome. The stadium looks like an actual stadium. Uh, but the, but the dome, I, I was very impressed with that dome. How do you get that curve on there? Uh, it, it was I figured it out. It was seventy thousand decks of cards he had to use because there's fifty two cards in a deck. So, uh, you know, this was an expensive hobby here. Yeah. Any idea? Any idea how long it took him to do this? Um, it took I, I took it like fourteen months. It fell down a couple times. Um, oh boy! Yeah, it fell down a couple times, and he had to he had to restart certain sections. But wow. Um, Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I know, I know. It's a too much 15-year-old kid with too much time on his hands. Maybe he did no. it during COVID. I don't know. Um, the uh, uh, okay, so uh lost my page here. Okay, now we you know we're always looking for ways to make money on what in the world. Um, so here's way here's a way that we're gonna fill you in on you can make a million dollars 
All you have to do is find a picture like this. Now, this is a picture. <laughs> <laughs> this is a picture taken by a ring camera, you know, those ring doorbells of an alien running down the street in front of someone's home. The ring company, ring.com, is offering $1 million to anyone who can bring a legitimate video, obviously this is a fake picture, but a, a, a legitimate video of a space alien on their ring, cam taken by their ring camera. Um, so they're, they're gonna be the judges. The judges are a meteorologist and an astrobiologist. So I had to look it up. What, why, why do they need a meteor meteorologist? The meteorologist is gonna verify that it's not raining and it's some skinny person standing in front of your door oh, naked geez. shivering turn of blue. <laughs> uh, I, and oh. then the astrobiologist is, is apparently an expert in, in aliens. So once it's confirmed by, by those two people, it has to be both of them, you win a million dollars, which is paid in uh, 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 over 20 years. So $50,000 over 20 years. I think that's a ripoff to me because I would want the money in one lump sum because once this alien that you took a photo of finds out that you, you know, you're, uh, uh, you've taken pictures of him and now he's all over the, 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 the world. I mean, he's going to destroy the planet. So you won't be able to spend your money anyway. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I, they also are offering $50,000 for the best fake alien video. So I'm, I've got one of these cameras. I'm going to send a video of the trick-or-treaters coming up to my house because I know at least one of them will look like an alien. Yeah, that's good. that's good thinking, Paul. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you have one of those cameras, don't you? No, my niece does at her house, but, uh, but we do oh. not. Ours. Yeah. No, you just use a peephole or you just yell, hey, who's there? Yeah, we just kind of like keep an eye out, you know, and uh, just to make sure there's nobody out there that shouldn't be out there. Let's put it that way. Sounds like a good plan. Okay. All right. So, John, you remember this, and I'm sure everybody out here uh, listening to the show remembers this because it happened to everyone in the United States. Last week, we had a test uh, by FEMA. We had a test message, emergency message sent to our cell phones. I don't remember what day it was. It was like around two o'clock in the afternoon, wasn't it, John? You know, I'm not sure exactly. What, what, I mean, I did get the message uh, on my cell phone. Yeah, it was during the day. But I, I couldn't really tell you offhand, uh, you know, which what 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 time of day or, or what day it was. Actually. Yeah, yeah, but but everybody got it. So there were all these conspiracy theories going around. You know, I heard one. I couldn't believe it. People were saying that that president the president butt dialed everybody in the country just no. to see <laughs> just if he could do it. Then I don't think so. I don't think the president butt dialed everybody. No, it's, it's a good guess. It's, 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 it's an educated guess that he, he did not. <laughs> yeah. I, that, uh, yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll leave it at that. But the best story uh, came from, from Ohio, from Amish country. This is unbelievable. Three guys got reprimanded by their church leaders during this. Why? Because these three Amish guys had cell phones in their pockets. And they all went off during the alert. Amish people are not supposed to have mechanical devices or electronic devices, especially cell phones. So they were shunned by their church as a result of their, their ring phones going off. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Violated the rule of no technology. Um, so the last message they were allowed to send after they found out they were shunned, they had to send little sad faces to all their friends. <laughs> um, letting them know we're, we're no longer online um, yeah you know if there's an emergency how do you notify the amish that you know the world's about to end or whatever it is that i the uh, uh the warning might be the, the only way that i know of is you go up on a top of a hill in amish country and you yell hey yoder run because they're all named <laughs> for those of you who don't have any Amish people in, in your in your state, and they're wonderful people. I was in Amish country over the weekend, and, and great pies, and we, we just had a good time. Now, I did find a photo of an actual legitimate Amish phone. This is an Amish phone that the Amish are allowed to use. We'll take a look at this cell phone right here. There you go. This is a cell phone made of wood. Um, what do you think? I don't think it works. You don't think it works? <laughs> no. That's, that's the basic question, Karen, for sure. Is it functional? 
It's a, no, it's not. It's a flip phone. Yeah, it's a, it's a you know, it wasn't an Amish person because they're not allowed to use technology like computer okay. graphics, but uh, it's a wooden flip phone. I found it on Etsy. You can actually buy these things. It's amazing. Oh my gosh. Really? Yeah. yeah. Like 30 bucks, I think they wanted for it. Uh, uh, yeah. We're in yeah. the wrong business. <laughs> yeah, that's for certain. Okay. All right. So do you like celery? If you like celery, this is a story for you. A stretch of, uh, of a highway in Ontario this week was shut down after a truck carrying celery rolled over and spilled all the celery all over the, the freeway. There's a photo of it. Look at all that celery. Oh, my celery. gosh. Does that look good? Mm. Yeah. That was a massive amount of celery across four lanes there. They had to shut down. Um, Need some cream cheese or something. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Another, it's one of those with uh, serendipity, a, a cream cheese truck heading in the opposite direction, <laughs> slides and falls into it. What ha it, it took them hours and hours to clean up, and it took. In fact, the cleanup people said it took extra long because the the celery kept getting stuck between the teeth of their rakes. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> the the driver, the driver's said he he was not in. He's being stalked by celery lovers. So uh, that was <laughs> my last one of that segment there. <laughs> so celery is 95% water. I didn't realize that. It's only 5% stuff that gets stuck between your teeth. Um, and did you know this? You can actually, there's, there's an allergy. You can actually be allergic to celery. And the, the reaction is fatal. Like, you know, people that, that are, have allergic reaction to bees, you can have an, an allergic reaction to celery that is actually fatal, could kill you. Mm. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Celery dates back, here's a little bit of trivia for you, dates back to the, the, Egypt. They found celery seeds in the tomb of, of Tutankhamun, who, um, who died in uh, 1323 BC. So, you know, 13th centuries BC, they were, they were um, growing celery. Uh, I always thought that rhubarb and celery were related, you know, because they look the same. Uh, but it turns out that they're completely different families. Celery um, is part of the parsnip family and rhubarb belongs to the buckwheat family. Uh, so next time you're eating some rhubarb pie and you think it's really good, you should say, okay. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah, I, I knew that was. Paul, you're you're in rare form today. Very much. <laughs> For all the buckwheat fans out there, I'm not going to explain who buckwheat is. If you don't know, ask your grandfather. Go Google uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So now we got a couple of airline stories here. This was a popular story on Facebook. I'll let you know. I do I do uh, share stories on Facebook occasionally just to test them out, see how they're working. So if you, if you friend me on Facebook, you'll be, or follow me, you'll be able to see them. Um, also, you know, we take feedback. Our, our buddy, Brian, John sent us some feedback this week. I'll oh. share with you. Okay. Uh, the, not that it's dirty or anything. Brian's a nice guy. He went, we went, you know, John knows him uh, from the old neighborhood, from grade school. I know him from high school. Good guy. Nothing dirty. It's just a personal thing for John and I. Um, okay, so these passengers on a plane from uh, Bangkok to Taiwan went into a panic. Why? Because they were they saw this on the floor, crawling around on the floor. That is an otter. Not only was there an otter loose on the plane, there was also a rat loose on the plane. Um, and and you know, so they're yelling and yelling for for somebody to capture it. The flight attendants were not allowed to help them capture them. Why? Because nobody on the plane paid the fee for capturing a rat or an otter. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Eight of airlines now. Um, it was not spirit though, by the way, because spirit, <laughs> they have a little container in the food cart for the rat. So oh, okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I know we're never going to get spirit as a sponsor. I'm sorry, Karen. This person, they finally identified the person who bought them on was also smuggling 28 live turtles, a snake, a marmot, two other otters, and two other rodents of unknown species. My question is, how do you get all of those creatures onto a plane without the security people seeing it? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's a that's a very basic question. Yeah, it's how did it, how yeah. did he do that? 
I, I, I don't. The only thing I can think of is they had real tiny little, you know, like like fifty bottles of shampoo, and they stuck one in each little bottle of shampoo. <laughs> so, as long as it's three ounces, I guess I don't know. Oh boy. Uh, so the passenger, the passenger had a choice. They could either pay the fine or they could buy a ticket for every one of the animals, whichever, whichever mm. was long. Um, so, so anyways, okay. This is another story I had on um, uh, Facebook. Uh, and it's all about charcuterie. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Charcuterie? Uh, charcuterie. Charcuterie. Charcuterie? Charcuterie. Charcuterie. Okay. So... So this is a world record charcuterie board. This is from Florida. Florida cheese delivery service, Bordery, uh, broke a Guinness World Record. And who knew that there was Guinness World Records for things like this? Oh my uh, God. They assembled a, a oh my charcuterie God. board containing 769 pounds of gourmet cheese, cured meats, flatbread crackers, nuts, dried fruits, gourmet chocolate, olives, and spreads. Over wow. almost 800 pounds. It, it looks like it's maybe... 25 feet long by 25 feet wide, a big square, massive amount of food there, which they donated to a, uh, a local food bank, by the way. So well, that was a good, what, that was a good, uh, good act, act of uh, kindness. Good, good. Definitely. I agree, John. Definitely. The, um, uh, so none, none of it went to waste. Uh, I, I think many people agreed with me when I said that that's the most nuts, hams and bologna I've seen in one room since the last presidential <laughs> <initial> debate. <laughs> And the hits just keep on coming today. <laughs> I, my only political statement there. You sure. know, when I was growing up, they were just called cheese boards. You'd put cheese and crackers and grapes on it. Now we got a fancy name. A fancy name. Oh, yeah. oh, I'll get to it, Karen. Yeah, I'm going to get to that. So charcuterie is a French term. It comes from two words, chair, which means flesh, and coot, which means cooked. So that's what it actually, when you say that, that's what it actually stands for. You're serving a, a cooked flesh on a board. Uh, doesn't look so snooty now, does it? Um, it, it and it's, uh, it's specifically for pork products. So it was sold at, at like delis, except they don't call them delis in France. They call them also charcuteries. And it, it's cured pork products uh, and also cheeses. Um, the, um, but it wasn't until the 1990s that it became popular in the, in the United States and um, uh, grocery stores, you know, that wanted to attract a higher clientele than me buying bologna, uh, you know, selling, <laughs> selling the charcuterie boards. Uh, and Karen, you know, I agree with you. When, when I was a kid, we called this a plate of lunch meat, you know? Yeah. You got <laughs> You, you know, you were having a party, you went, to the, you went to the grocery store and you said, I need a plate of lunch, meat and cheese. And they knew yep. what you wanted, right? <laughs> yep. Sure. And it yeah, was ham, good. bologna, salami, American cheese and Swiss cheese and, and one piece of lettuce in the middle. That's really what it was. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. All right. So, um, uh, oh, this, this, uh, this is another unbelievable story involving an airline. So, so this woman is flying back from Kenya uh, to the United States and she stops at the um, Minneapolis-St. Paul airport and she gets stopped by security. Why? Because she has this on her possession. What that Ooh. is, that is a box of giraffe turds or giraffe Yes. Now, why is she carrying a box of giraffe droppings? They ask. She is going to make them into a necklace. That's oh that's, no! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> make them into a necklace. First thing they said to her was, "Lady, this is giraffe poop, not giraffe pearls." Which is what the guy you know that she bought them from told her. Oh, these are giraffe rare giraffe pearls. It's poop, poop from a giraffe. Um, <laughs> so they had to they had to destroy it. And they destroyed it with a thing called a steam sterilization. Somehow they blast steam at it and it, and it destroys them. I, I guess they didn't have an air fryer. I mean, I, I, oh. I, I don't know. But believe it or not, this is a thing. Making necklaces out of poop is a thing. Uh, I have another photo here. This is a photo of cat poop on a chain. Oh, really? no. Oh, yeah. Karen, 
Netsy, I mean Etsy. I'm sorry, Etsy. You can get anything on Netsy. Etsy. If you want, you want cat poop. Here's another one. That is moose droppings on a chain. So if you're a oh, fan from of bad the- to worse, we're going from bad to worse here, Paul and Karen. <laughs> oh wait, I got one more. Um, this one is human poop, and oh, I, in, in a little oh. holder, shaped like a toilet on the end of a chain. Now. I don't know. In Australia, they would also have a little snake in there because they're always finding a snake in the toilet. Uh, but anyway, so you can buy you can buy this actual stuff on Etsy. Uh, I don't know how much that was. I didn't even want to know. And don't worry, I'm going to take it off there. Um, oh, so <laughs> let's see how we're doing on time here. So uh, if, if you know if you're going to take if you're going to make a necklace in if you're going to make a necklace in the bathroom, experts say don't take a phone in there with you. I'm going to yeah. take, <laughs> oh, take boy. a phone in there with oh, you my God. because yeah, right. because it's un, it's dangerous now to take a phone into the bathroom. Um, it's according to health experts, this can lead to prolonged sitting on the toilet, which can cause strain and pressure, which can lead to hemorrhoids and other worse conditions that I'm not going to bother telling you about. Thanks um, for sparing us uh, that, those details. <laughs> yeah. the, um, um, you know, <laughs> although now, now I'm going to say I rarely take the phone into the bathroom, but when I do, I read the news and, um, and it helps me go because I'm reading the news and all I can say is, holy crap. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Believe it or not, I'm not going to ask either one of you or, or, or any of you out there if, if you take your phone into the bathroom, but I know some of you do because over 65% of Americans take their phone into the bathroom with them. Uh, really? In Spain, 80% of people take their phone to the bathroom. The lowest in the study was Germany at just under 55%. Uh, now, my question was, does it include if I have my phone in my pocket and I'm out in the woods and I go up against the tree, does that count? Um, or is that not? No, that the, counts. Sure. That counts. <laughs> Thank you for verifying yeah, that. From a, from a technical point of view, I guess it is true. Yes. Or I is know. it? I guess so. Okay. So speaking of bathroom activity, um, and I think this is our last story <laughs> on this theme here. So this comes from Charmin, and I've got a photo of this one, so be ready. Uh, so Charmin, the toilet paper people, have announced a new design in toilet paper for the first time in 100 years. 100 years, toilet paper has remained basically the same. So they're describing it as cutting-edge toilet paper. Now, number one, I don't think those two phrases, cutting-edge and toilet paper, should be used in the same sentence. Yeah, yeah uh, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, cutting-edge toilet paper. Let's, uh, before I forget to put the photo up here, I will do that. There we go. Get the, there we go. Oh, there's that beautiful Charmin uh, bear Ooh, holding up. Look at wow. So this is ultra soft rolls. It's only for ultra soft. We'll have a new perforation line called a smooth tear, which guarantees that the toilet paper users will have a clean tear when they tear their toilet paper every single time. Um, so, An innovation, I gather. <laughs> you know, Procter & Gamble will do anything for money. That's right. That's right. To me, <laughs> me something more valuable for, for me, and I, and I will speak for most guys, is something that would, on the toilet paper roll, that would tell me which way I'm supposed to turn it so my <laughs> wife is happy. That's all I would really like. Uh, the oh. uh, John, do you have? I bet you. I know John has that problem. I, I'm not even going to ask. <laughs> thanks for so, th thanks for not bringing that question to the light. <laughs> that's right. So toilet paper that's easy to tear. Historians are going to look back on this and say this is the moment when humanity collapsed, when when we were too weak to tear. Toilet, regular toilet paper, and we needed special toilet paper that was easier to tear. I'm sorry, this is the president of um, Charmin, who, which Karen, by the way, you were right, but from Procter & Gamble, um, he told Fox News that he's excited to be reinventing the square. He, oh. Reinventing the square, yeah. Which well, reminded me, I guess. Yeah, the, the, the Seinfeld episode where Elaine 
uh, was begging the lady in the stall next to her to share a spare, spare a square that is, uh, is what she asked for because the role was empty. Uh, and, and, then, and then they find out that the lady was actually Jerry's girlfriend and uh, it, you know, a typical convoluted Seinfeld story. I wanted to end on that because I just read Jerry Seinfeld has announced that he and Larry David are working on uh, a new ending to Seinfeld that, that it didn't actually end the way it did. They have a new ending and they're thinking about maybe adding a few more episodes to kind of bring us up to date on um, um, where everybody is these days, if, you know, the characters, which, you know. Kramer won't be there. We all know that. Uh, well, no, he will. He will. He's already been to the reunions. Oh, really? The, I know. Okay. Yeah. Despite the fact that he had a very controversial um, event that that kept him out of comedy clubs and you know all is forgiven if Seinfeld comes back together I guess that's basically okay. the way and besides Karen Seinfeld is the kind of story the kind of sitcom that we need right now oh absolutely absolutely yeah yeah so you know the writers are back hopefully the actors will be back in a few weeks and um, and they can work on this in the meantime if your little tushy hurts or if you're too weak to tear your toilet paper don't worry Charmin has a solution for you. What's it Aww. called again? Yeah, it's called the smooth air. I'm going to cry a smooth tear, which is, sounds the same, but sounds different, but it's spelled the same, whatever that's called. And homonym, is that a homonym, John? You're caring, I, you think know? That's, I think that's correct. I think you're right. Yeah, I think yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> yes, it is. All right. So we moved up from English lessons to uh, sports with John Danalo, everybody's favorite weird news sportscaster. So every week I ask John to come up with a sport that fits in the theme of weird sports, sometimes strange, always funny. And John always manages to come up with a sport that, that, uh, that fits the bill. Uh, sometimes they're sports that we could participate in. Sometimes they're sports that we wish we were owners of the teams. Sometimes they're sports we don't want to have anything to do with. I think I know which one this is. John, why don't you um, uh, introduce the sport and I'll get ready to start with your photos. Well, that sounds great, Paul. Thanks, uh, thanks for the big introduction. And Karen and audience, uh, here we are. So if skydiving, mountain ironing, street luge, or cheese rolling are sports that are too tame for you, then it's time that you tried yak skiing. Yak you skiing? Heard, you heard that correctly, yak skiing. Okay. Now, yak skiing is truly an extreme sport and a very strange sport for certain. Yak skiing was originated by an enterprising uh, gentleman from Tibet. His name is Peter Dorje. He lives in the Indian vi village of Manali, where he is a yak rancher. While this is a good business in the warm months, Peter was looking for a side gig in the winter. One day, while gazing at the village's steep, snow-covered hill, he came up with the idea for the sport of yak skiing. <laughs> now, here's a, here's a couple of yaks on a snow-covered hill. That doesn't okay. make me come up with yak skiing. And yet, this guy, that's his idea. Now, before anyone gets upset, no yaks were harmed in yak skiing. In fact, the yaks end up with the exercise and a full belly. It's the tourists who are in real danger while yak skiing. Let me explain. Each day during the Tibetan winter, Peter takes up to five visitors and a herd of hungry yaks into the surrounding hills to camp outdoors for the night. Here's a here's a guy leading the X up the hill. So we can okay. you don't even have to use your imagination here. We for, for those of you watching on YouTube, couple couple of yak ranchers hauling their yaks up the hill, if you know what I mean. Sure. Then at first light, he leads one of his yaks to the very top of a hill, where he ties the yak to the end of a long rope, which is then looped around a large tree to form a pulley system. Meanwhile, the nervous skier waits at the bottom of the hill, holding a large bucket of nuts, ready to tie himself or herself to the other end of the rope 
on a signal from the top of the hill. Once that is done, a mere shake of the bucket, bring the hungry yak charging furiously down the hill, and in turn, pulling the skier up the hill at a, at a breakneck speed. Did, did you follow that, Karen? <laughs> uh, nuts down up. It's <laughs> a good way to summarize it, Karen. Very good. Very good. So, so, so again, Dorje. Now, Dorje has a disclaimer here. Okay, he's only one piece of advice when it comes to the sport: never shake the bucket of nuts before you are securely tied to the yak rope. Any panicked thrill seeker who does does that will be confronted with a half ton of disgruntled yak heading straight for them with no way to escape. Kind of like this photo here. This looks like a bunch of yaks that just heard the bucket shake and they're yeah. running down. They're on their way. That's right. <laughs> now, if you have some yaks and a hill and want to try this for yourself, Dorje has developed a foolproof way to tame the huge beasts. Although the yak's regular diet is moss, grass, and lichen, the yaks are extremely partial to chocolate. And what he does, he buys the chocolate from a bakery at the northern end of the town and says that if you spike the nuts with chocolate, the yaks will not charge after you. What kind of candy bar yaks like? What? What? <laughs> oh, all, I, all I know is it's 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 chocolate. It is chocolate. Yeah, yeah, Kit, yeah Kit, no, I, but, I, uh, I I wasn't able to. My research did not lend itself to knowing exactly what uh, what type of chocolate it was. Wow. Now, in closing, it's hard to believe that there is no alcohol involved in the sport <laughs> of yak skiing. Well, and maybe that's because there are no yaks either in America or England. Oh, oh that's right. Uh, it, it, so where are no yaks water. from? Tibet. T Tibet. Oh. Tibet. Yeah. Tibet. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, there, there's your mind. The, you can tell in Tibet they 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 can't afford really good cameras. <laughs> A lot of these yeah. cameras are <laughs> pretty blurred. It's not because Bigfoot's in the background. They just it's cold. You know, and they they just uh, so so it's hard to find good photos of yak skiing. Got but it. we the best we can here. Um, I think I've got one more. Okay, this is this, this is a yak waiting. He's waiting for the that bucket to shake. Would you would you would you looking at that face, that beautiful yak face? Would you shake a bucket of chocolate while tied to a rope, hoping that it's going to bring you up the hill and not run over you? No, I don't. No, I'm certain I wouldn't. That that that, that you know that, that that is a that you know that's clear. That is clear. <laughs> this is a one. It's like a buffalo. It looks like a buffalo with even bigger. Oh yeah. That, sure. Uh, sure. What a strange sport, John. As always. Uh, yes, yes, it is. It truly is a strange sport. It really is. There's it's no so federation, right? What? <laughs> Do they have a federation for it? No, Karen, that's a great question. I was I was looking to see if there was an association, a federation, or a committee, or something along those lines. But we have found nothing that's formalized that way. In fact, okay. it seems that this Peter Dorje is an army of one. I think he, he's the only person that uh, is, you know uh, has uh, attempted this sport. Okay, well, got to be a, a first one. So okay. yeah, right. yeah, well. here you go. What do you think? Do you think we could bring this to the United States? Yak racing? Maybe oh, I don't Colorado? know. This, this one is not is not getting off the ground or up the hill. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, John, I beg to differ. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but you know, we we went to college in Cleveland, Ohio, and during the winter, I think there were a few hills where we lived, but we went to school. And and I remember one time I challenged you to. A, a game of yak skiing. Do you remember that? No, you know, you, no, you have to refresh my memory. And if you have a photo, that'll be great. Oh, I've, of course I have a photo. So I challenged John to a, a game of yak skiing and John, I explained it to John and John says, I'll do it, but only if I can pick my own yak. So I thought, sure, why not, John? You can pick your own yak. So, so John left and he came back a little while later and this is the yak he picked. Oh. <laughs> this, is, this is a yeah this is a mechanical yak but it's not even the kind of mechanical yak that you would see at a mechanic at a, 
uh, yak rodeo. This is the kind of mechanical yak that you would see in front of a grocery store yep. in Tibet. In other words, John put a dime in the in the container. He sat on it and he rode a little bit, just like the little horses in front of the grocery store. Needless <laughs> to say, he shamed me as he always does. <laughs> but you know, he doesn't have back legs. What's that? He doesn't have back legs. He doesn't have. Oh, that's right. I, oh, it's a. <laughs> it was it, Karen. It was really such a unique uh, a unique machine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh. Okay. All right. Well, thank you again, John, for that great sport. Yeah, yeah we'll remember that. That one will go down in the annals of uh, great what in the world of sports segments there. Absolutely. So, so, yeah. How about? <laughs> okay. Well, we've reached the end of uh, John's segment on sports. So that means it's time for Bluff the Co-host, everybody's favorite weird news game. I've got three stories here. The the uh, story similar to the ones I've been telling. Those were real. These stories may be real, maybe a bluff. And it's up to John and Karen and all of you playing at home, either in your ear or watching us on YouTube to decide. I don't have any photos. Uh, wagering is allowed. So place your bets. John and Karen, put your hands on the buzzer. Uh, I don't have a theme to these stories. They're just plain random stories. So let's see. Okay. How you I, I need to win the jackpot today. So let's oh, do it. Oh, okay. Oh, whoa. Oh, there's a challenge to you, John. John won last week. So. Okay. Uh, all right. Members of Generation Z are not wearing cowboy boots like previous generations did, and it's hurting sales in Texas and in other boot-wearing states. That's why Justin Boots, a leading maker of the traditional cowboy boot, is coming out with a new line of cowboy flip-flops for the casual Gen Z customer. Unlike regular flip-flops, the cowboy flip-flops will be made of leather and have a heel. To look more like boots, they will have a lightweight wraparound upper that goes up the calf and has room for traditional cowboy boot designs, metal studs, and even corporate logos. Justin Boots hopes the cowboy flip-flops will bring in a new generation of customers, as well as appeal to older cowboys and cowgirls whose feet are getting too hot as the temperature goes up. Okay, so the boot company in Texas that's coming out with cowboy boot flip-flops. What do you say? We'll go to Karen first. Karen, real or bluff? You know, his son lives in Texas. He doesn't have a cowboy belt or cowboy boots yet or cowboy hat. Ooh. <laughs> now we have to think about cowboy flip-flops, huh? <laughs> I want, I'm just going to say it's true because it's so weird. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a strategy that works often. Okay, so Karen says that cowboy flip-flops are real because it's so weird. John, how about you? You know, on first blush, you know, it, it sounded preposterous. But uh, the more I think of it, uh, anything's possible these days. And uh, so in that category, or, or using that kind of logic, I'm going to say it's a real story. I'll agree with Karen on this one. Oh, you both used very similar logic. I was afraid John was going to pick up a pair of cowboy flip-flops and say, I already know. I got it. <laughs> here it is. Here's proof. Here's, here's, here's proof. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So John and Karen both say that's a real story. Gen Zers want cowboy flip-flops. Let's check with the judges and the judges say, we're sorry. That's a fake story. There's no such Oh thing. my God. No, no oh. never know though. Okay. Maybe it's fake. No, maybe it's not true now. But maybe it's going to be the uh, origin or the motivation for someone to. You got it. It will be. That's right. And we want to cut. If you're listening yeah, out we there. We want some of the royalties then, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that means the score is still tied, zero to zero. So let's get to uh, story number two. Hands on the buzzers. Lady Gaga wore a meat dress for the MTV Music Awards a few years ago. But a fashion model in India has managed to top that with a dress that is a plastic aquarium filled with water and live fish. The model walked down a runway of a show wearing the fish dress, which was created by a top Indian designer and managed to make it to the end, turn around and walk back without spilling a drop or losing any fish. No fish were harmed in the making or showing of the dress and it will actually be available to the public. There's no word on whether Lady Gaga wants it 
or is sticking to red meat? Okay, John, we'll go with you first. A dress made out of an aquarium or a dress that is an aquarium that, that appeared at a fashion show in India and is for sale, real or bluff? I'm going to say it's real. Um, I mean, the fashion world is very wide, all kinds of things happening in it. And uh, if it's not true now, it eventually will be true and someone else will do it. So I'm going to say it's a, it's, it's, it's a real story. Again, I was afraid John was going to hold one up. <laughs> well, don't have one. Don't have one. For my lovely wife for her birthday. <laughs> we don't have one. <laughs> okay, so John says it's real. Karen, how about you? Real or bluff? You know, I think it's real because a lot of the things that you see on the runway really only happen on the runway. So Ooh. I'm going to say true. Wow. Okay, so both of our contestants say it's true. Uh, out there, if decide what you think, and I'll check with the judges, and the judges say, congratulations, that's a real story. All right, way to go. Okay. All right. <laughs> Paul, Google it. Google it. Google it, as I say, or if you have a chance for maybe one of our next show is, well, you I'll know. Show a photo next week, yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that means the score is tied one-to-one. -one. Points are doubled in round number three, so anybody can, uh, anybody can pull away here. Let's get right to the story. The little store on the corner in your neighborhood is called a convenience store because it's convenient to get to. Store in China is called an inconvenience store because it is the world's hardest store to get to. It is located on a cliff and was once a shack used as a rest stop by mountain climbers. But after they installed handrails, ladders, and cables to make the climb easier, so many people were stopping there that the owner decided to cash in and turn it into an inconvenience store selling bottled water, juice boxes, soda, candy, cookies, beef jerky, and even moon pies. There's no beer, lunch meat, or lottery tickets, but the owner says business is booming as more people make the 400-foot climb to the world's most inconvenience store. All right, a store, can, inconvenience store built on the side of a cliff that people are going to. What do you say, Karen, real or bluff? Well, I'm just trying to figure out how you get the candy and the water there, you know? like Oh, uh, maybe a pulley? Maybe somebody puts it in a backpack and carries it up to them? Maybe. Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, um, I don't know. I'm gonna say this is the bluff. Oh, okay. Karen says it's a bluff. I, I, I'm, I'm going to guess you wouldn't be shopping there. No, no, I don't like heights. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't like widths. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay, Karen says it's a bluff. John, how about you? Uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's real. Uh, I can oh. see from the idea that, uh, you know, people like challenges and, uh, you know, it would be something that a person could put on their bucket list, so to speak, and say, I went to the most inconvenient store in the world and it's only 400 feet, you know, <laughs> up the hill. So I'm going to say uh, in, you know, in, in that vein of thinking, uh, I'm going to say it's real. Okay. All right. So John says it's real. Karen says it's a bluff. Let's check with the judges and the judges say the inconvenience store is real congratulations john bad right. news for eight weeks in a row How yeah, like here. yeah right that's that's yeah. Yeah, it's awesome we'll pass the hat amongst the audience uh to make up for you not getting a uh, a prize this week john of course yours is in the way in the mail <laughs> <laughs> well if, you, if you're all listening out there you know my husband decided to get a new car. We're going to pick it up tonight. So, you know, if you want to make donations, you know, our hands oh, are up. Wow. You know, no. So. Is, it a, is it a Honda Accord? Is that what? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it oh. is a, it's a hybrid. So we're going in the right direction. Oh, so good luck. Half car, half alien, I guess. That's uh, anyway, I'm getting ready. But by the way, for those of you listening, I'm going to be speaking at a, uh, a UFO convention this weekend, the uh, the uh, uh, MUFON Ohio convention down in Belleville. Uh, uh, tickets are still available, apparently. So uh, if you want to come by and hear, I will be talking about hybrid aliens, as a matter of fact. That's one of the stories. Oh, all right. 
why I thought of it. But anyways, okay. Well, that means we've reached the end of another great episode of, uh, if I do say so myself, of What in the World, everybody's favorite weird news show. We, I hope we've lived up to our motto, real news, sometimes strange, always funny. I want to thank Karen Hale, our media mogul, the the, uh, the, the owner of NewCleanerRadio.net, our platform, all-around great person, great co-host. Uh, thank you, Karen, for everything you do for us, despite how little we pay you. The, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the go to NewCleanerRadio.net that tells you uh, how to download, how and where to download our show, and also all the other great podcasts. In fact, Karen has a new podcast starting up tomorrow on Wednesday. On, on how to deal with the world as it is today, um, you know, as she as she mentioned up front, and it's open to the public. Open to the public. That's right. Yeah. So so by all means, join in on that. Uh, and again, take a look at she's got some, just a wide variety of podcasts to, to listen to to watch on YouTube. And then, as always, I thank my old friend John Danalo for uh, all he does for the show, color commentary, laugh at my bad jokes, great sports as always. Uh, John, thanks again for joining us, and and I hope you have a great weekend. Oh, thanks, Paul. Yeah, and Karen, it, it it's always a it's always a good time. It's a it's it's the highlight of my Tuesday uh, when the show was on Tuesday. <laughs> Get a life, John. Get a life. Oh yeah, I, 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 I'm trying I, I'm trying to broaden my horizons here a little bit. You know, uh, no highlight next week. We're not on. So that's right. That's right. We we will be on hiatus next week. So I'll be sending a message out to remind everybody. So we'll be back in two weeks. John, I hope you see a winner. You got your Phillies hat on. I hope that all the Browns fans see a winner this weekend. And uh, otherwise, have a great weekend. Um, 